Asanta Kaparia Sonda Kila Barabadaila. All of heaven bows to you because you are Lord, because you are God. The train of your robe, it fills the temple because only you are holy. Because only you are worthy. We come before you, Majesty. Boldly, as sons, approaching the Father. You have opened the door for us to come and receive mercy, find grace for help in time of need. We honor you this evening as we congregate together with your people to pray and touch matters in the earth knowing that our unity invites the Father to intervene to move and to operate in our lives we thank you for being so gracious and loving us so lavishly We thank you, Lord. You are majestic. You are holy. And it is a privilege to enjoin ourselves to you. The Lord Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, that you should go and bear much fruit and that my Father be glorified. So we have come to ask, we have come to petition, we have come to thank you, to thank you for our life. Release the blessing according to your word. For how good and pleasant it be for the brethren to dwell together in unity. For it is like the oil that comes down the bead of Aaron right to his skirts. Like the mount and the Jew on the mount of Hermon. And therein the Lord commandeth his blessing. Command a blessing tonight, Masafatika Surabada. Command a blessing tonight, Fana Sapatika Ragatoyas. And let that blessing overtake your people. And you be glorified. Thank you, Lord. 
Amen. Halleluja. Good evening. How are you? I trust you're all well. Uh, did you prepare the Eucharist, the Holy Communion? Uh, if you have not done so, please do so now, so that there isn't any delay when we do finally uh, partake. Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles to the last book of the Bible, Revelations, chapter 12. So what we're going to do and how we'll proceed this evening is we'll do some teaching first and I will minister to you through prayer and the prophetic Word of God. Hallelujah. And then we will partake of the Eucharist. Are you in Revelations chapter 12? There's no distance that the Word of God cannot cover. When the centurion came and besought Jesus concerning his sick and dying servant, Jesus said to him, I'll come. And the centurion said, no, I'm not worthy that you should step foot in my house. And then he said something very telling and very striking, which revealed to us really the potentials of the word of God. He said, I, I also am a man under authority because he recognized Jesus as an authority. And he said, I say to this one, I have men under me. And I say to this one, go. And I say to this one, come and they do so. Then he says, you also, he says, speak only the word and my servant shall be healed. And the Bible says Jesus was amazed. And he said he had not found such faith in Israel. And then he said, go your way, thy servant be healed. And the Bible tells us that from that hour, his servant was healed. Now, the servant didn't hear Jesus. 
the servant didn't hear Jesus speak. He didn't hear Jesus speak. He was not there. So the servant could not have faith to be healed. But it was the recognition that the centurion had of the authority of Jesus and the authority in his words. And that is really very telling of the ability and power of God's word that it is able to negotiate through time and space and it really doesn't tell the difference. So there is no space really where the word of God cannot be effective. And really the requirement for such an exercise is faith. You're listening to me now over the airwaves. The transmission of the ability of God and His power toward you as we, as we, we will minister tonight is really determined by, by faith, by your recognition of the authority bestowed upon me by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, when he had risen from the dead, he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Then he said, go on the wise of this authority. So there are men on earth whom God has given the authority to bless, the authority to lift man and the authority to help man in their needs. There was a need with the centurion and Jesus met that need through his word. So your contact to the ability of God is really your faith. If you can believe the reach of God's power and spirit will really be manifest in your life. Hallelujah. Revelations chapter 12. I want to speak about something and share with you something that I truly believe, I, I truly believe with all my heart, it's going to revolutionize how you view, number one, the Word of God, and how you will continue your dealings in life from here to form. Because I've been contemplating for some time now about a subject matter which I believe has, has really not been discussed much in the body of Christ. And yet it is the bedrock of what Jesus came to do and our benefit from that. And for some time I've been pondering and contemplating and searching the scriptures because sometimes you hear things, you hear preachings like you hear from uh, myself and other servants of God and 
you you end up looking at the word of god through the eyes that that particular word was presented and and sometimes though at that time it might be true sometimes it may limit your progression in the revelation of god and with me it was the same uh with this with this subject i i felt like there's something i'm missing that i have i've searched i've listened i've i've read but there's something missing and like all the times when i have sought and inquired i realized that the the best place to find answers in life is in the bible it's not in a preaching it's not in a sermon it's not in a book it's in the bible especially with issues relating to god and life you know so many times we become frustrated with life we we hit roadblocks we we hit obstacles and we get frustrated because uh the book is closed the book is closed there would be so much light in our lives so much direction and guidance in our life if we would just open that holy book and spend time with it you know david said thy word the entrance of thy word gives light and it adds understanding to the stupid to the foolish so i began searching the scriptures and and, and i'm sharing this with you because i want to give you context for what we we're going to discuss tonight and and i began searching the scriptures and then i realized something do you know the 12 apostles the disciples of jesus those who were with him throughout his ministry had no clue what he was doing they had no clue they didn't even know the reasons why he died when they saw him on the cross they they know what was happening the bible says for their hearts were hardened in in, in another scripture the bible says it, it, it the secret was kept from them so when jesus said i am going away their hearts were sorrow because they had no clue what was jesus going to do that's why peter even rebuked jesus for saying he was about to be delivered and he was going to die he rebuked him and he said thou shall do no such thing because they did not understand the relevance and the implications of his death it was hidden from them even long after his death you can see in their epistles that the mystery of his death was still something not fully disclosed to them 
Thank God for Paul. Thank God for Paul. Had it not been for the Apostle Paul and how God used him, we would have no understanding today about the reality of the foreshadowing of that which took place in the Old Testament. There would be no apocalypsis, there would be no revelation. And, and that is why I believe till today, there's so much mystery about the death of Jesus Christ that many of us stumble really in appropriating its blessing in our lives. If I asked you now, why do you believe in Jesus? Many of you would say, he's my God, he died for me, right? You, 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 you'd give all this, these um, nonchalant or cliche answers. No, uh, I, 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 I believe in Jesus because he died for my sins. And the best way we have appropriated a portion of that redemptive work is by accepting salvation and by being born again. Yet that is, that, that is just scraping the surface of the benefits that are available. So I wanted to resolve the matter for myself because with all the, God has blessed me. Spiritually, God, God has been very gracious to me in the abundance of grace and access in spiritual reality that he has revealed to me. Uh, he, he, he has been gracious. He has shown me revelations, revelations of the future, revelations of the heavenly realms. But throughout my Christian walk, there's been, there's been something in my soul, something in my spirit that's really been missing. And, and, and that is the, the I, I have the understanding of the redemptive work of Christ, but its implication in my life has been avoided and, and I've been contemplating how can I take what Jesus did? You know, like the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit. We, we have not really taken full advantage of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but at least we have received a portion of his manifestation through uh, the ability of speaking in tongues, right? We have appropriated that which the Lord had given, though not in its entirety, but we have. But a vast majority of a Christian of the Christian world is not even where they should be with all the Holy Spirit that we have been given. So these are matters that have been bothersome to me. They, they've bothered me so much. And I said to the Lord, I need to resolve this. I need to resolve this. Otherwise, my, my Christian experience, I know, will be very limited. And this is coming from someone who is really, who's been blessed by God. And I began to search the scriptures and search the scriptures. 
And the more I searched, at first, the more confused I became because there is, there is no correlation. There is no correlation in terms of the shadow and the reality. Remember, the Bible talks about the temple. I mean, I mean uh, 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 the tabernacle of Moses, right? The tabernacle of Moses has correlation to, number one, the true tabernacle in heaven. Number two, it has correlation to the temple, the human temple, and Jesus being the symbol or the expression of that temple. So there, there, is, there is correlation, symbiotic correlation between the uh, ordinances and the rituals performed in the Old Testament and Christ Jesus. And how we could utilize some of those types and shadows to formulate and Im implement the reality thereof. And that's what the Bible tells us, that everything done in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, was really a foreshadowing of what was to come. But there's something that, that is a matter of struggle in Christianity that does not seem to have correlative implication in our daily lives in as far as how those things done in the Old Testament were done. And I'll explain to you what I'm talking about now. So that indiscrepancy has been the reason why many are weak, many are sick, Many are plagued by sin, by diseases, by lack of spiritual progress. And I try to find where is the correlation that, that I, just like, just like there is, there's a direct implication of receiving the Holy Spirit, right? It is power, is speaking in tongues, is the fruit of the Spirit, right? There's direct implication. If you receive the Holy Spirit, there's direct implication. There are fruits, there are consequences. What are the consequences of being born again? What are the implications? What are they? How can you validate your salvation when nothing outwardly has changed? How do you validate that you are saved? And you cannot validate this from the feel, uh, from uh, uh, the dimension of feelings, you, you can't do that. Your feelings can't help you validate because I can assure you there are many times you felt like you're not saved. So where is the validation? The, the, do you get what I'm saying? The implication that you have accepted and finalized in your spirit the redemptive work of Jesus Christ.
Now, the Bible tells us this. Here's what Jesus, this is what Jesus says, right? Jesus says this. Jesus says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Jesus. Let's read it. Let's read it. Okay. Let's read it. Mark, Mark chapter 16. Are we there? Yeah. Mark chapter 16. Are you there? I, I want you to read it, please. Verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Now, is it, is, it, is it not strange that Jesus does not include the baptism part in the not believing? It's strange, right? But when it comes to believing, he says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now, does it mean that if you believe only and not and are not baptized, you are not saved, is, is what Jesus implying. Because this same thing he mentions in in Matthew chapter 8, when he tells them making disciples of nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? But here he says, He that believeth and is baptized. What is Jesus saying? What is the importance of the baptism? The importance of the baptism is the validation of your belief. That's why if you don't believe, you don't get baptized. No one who, 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 who is an unbeliever gets baptized. So the Lord, the Lord says the validation of one's belief, of one's salvation in receiving the gospel, from receiving the gospel, is baptism. If one is, believes and is not baptized, his belief is not validated. So, his salvation is not ratified. Because the ratification of his salvation is that he must believe and be baptized. And this is something the early church knew. They knew it. 
the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us this. When, when, when they came to ask Jesus, from where did he get the authority to teach? And Jesus said, I will ask you one thing. He said to them, the baptism of John, is it from heaven or is it from man? <laughs> and they said, this is what they said. They said, if they say it is from heaven, then they would agree that he's from God. But if they say it's from man, the people will now find fault with them. So they kept quiet. Then Jesus said, neither will I tell you by which authority. What was Jesus telling them? Jesus was pointing them to the fact that the baptism, the act, the ministry of John was a ministry of baptism. And he was pointing them to the fact that he was a baptizer because it came from heaven. And remember what John said, that he came as a forerunner of the Lord. And there's one coming after him who's not worthy to even loosen the, uh, the, 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 the laces of, 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 of his shoes. Then he says, he, I indeed baptize you, but he will also baptize you. So there's something about baptism that validates one's belief. So Jesus, Jesus, this is, I didn't write this, Jesus, Jesus says, Jesus says that your belief, which is spiritual, which is internal, must be validated by an outside work, by an external act. If you believe and are baptized, you shall be saved. Just like if you say you have the Holy Spirit, if you've received the Holy Spirit, if you've received the gift, you should receive power. There should be external implications of what you've received. So Jesus says, if you believe and are baptized, you shall be saved. Which means that there must be something about baptism that is essential. Now, baptism is not what I, 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 I want to talk to, to you about, but it, it is something that you know. You may not really understand the spiritual relevance, but it's something you know. What I want to talk to you about is something that's a mystery. But I'm, I'm using baptism as an example to point out to you something that is very important. Uh, turn your Bibles to the book of, uh, to 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. He said, I don't want to be ignorant. What, what, what Paul is talking about here, he's talking about the, the, the foreshadowing of what we are discussing now. Right? He says, verse 2, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Today, we are 
what baptized unto Jesus in the spirit you see that in this the cloud there represents the spirit so he he says these people look at look at the event that happened the bible tells us that a cloud by day followed them and he's saying that they were baptized in that cloud and then he says they were baptized in the sea now where in the bible do we see israel baptized in the sea is it not when they were crossing the red sea and what happened in, when they were crossing the red sea they were they, they were finally separating from egypt they were living their old life mantakali gristaladaita it was at the red sea where the finality the divorce of israel and egypt was enacted the bible says they passed through the red sea and when pharaoh and his chariots tried to pass through they were all killed which means that nothing from the old life the pharaoh could not follow them into the sea which means that until a child of god is 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 baptized the devil will continue to follow them because that means they have not crossed over so baptism is the marking point of your crossing over from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of god so they were baptized unto moses in the cloud and into the sea and it was that same cloud that was guiding them at that point in time that moved behind them and became a terror and a darkness to the egyptians now we see the the relationship the correlation of israel's act in the sea and the relevance and importance of believing and being baptized so the the what baptism does is that it creates a chasm between your old life your old god your old master and the new one so it's not just about getting into water remember the bible says hana kronski let's read first john baptism is a witness <sighs> uh first john first john chapter 5 verse 6 Okay, let's read from verse 5. And we are slowly getting into our subject matter. He said, "Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God." You see, he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God is he that overcometh the world. Verse 6. Listen to verse 6. 
This is he that came by water and blood. My brothers and my sisters, who gave Adam his name? Who gave Adam his name? You can reply what you think there. Was there someone who gave Adam a name? Yes or no? If you say no, just just do your thing there. Lift up your hand there. Was Adam given a name? And who gave Adam his name? Adam had no name. There's no way in the Bible where the Bible tells us that God gave to the man he created the name Adam. God never gave Adam a name. Read your Bible. There's no way in the Bible where it is said that God gave him a name. The first person to be named in the Bible was Eve, not Adam. The name Adam is not the name of a man. The name Adam is the classification of a species. Adam means a human being. It is a classification of a species. It is a classification of a creature. Now, why am I saying this to you? What is so important about what I'm saying to you? Because I can assure you right now that a vast majority in the Christian world believes that the name of that man whom God first created was Adam. That was not his name. God never gave him that name. And that is why, yes, God never gave him. Yeah, but 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 how about when God when God asked called it, called him God never said Adam where are you? God only asked where art thou. The Bible never said God called unto him and said Adam Adam. The Bible never says that. The Bible says and and the Lord God said where art thou? The Bible says and the Lord God called unto Adam and said where art thou? It is us that adds that. But in reality, God never said that. God did not give Adam a name. He did not give the first man he created a name. Adam derived the word. He derived the title. He derived the name from who he was. He was a human being. You are Adam. You are Adam. He derived that title from what was inside him. Husantrahade. What, what regulated life within that man was not spirit, it was blood. 
This is something you need to understand, my brother, my sister. The Bible tells us when, when, and God breathed into his nostrils and man became a living soul. What God breathed into that man was blood. Because the regulation of that man's life is, is, is by blood, not by spirit. That's why when Jesus rose from the dead, he said this, he said this, he said, spirit does not have blood. This is what he said to Thomas. He said, thrust your finger into my bosom. Thrust your finger into my hands and see if this is indeed a spirit. For, for spirit does not have blood. Which means that God, the first transmutation of life, Mantea, it took place when God breathed into Adam. That is the first transmutation of life. And that is one of the reasons why God said, Thou shalt not take another man's blood. Thou shalt not take another man's life. Thou shalt not shed blood. He that sheds blood, his life also shall be killed. That's why he also says, when you eat your food, do not eat the animal with blood in it, for, for you are eating the life of that flesh if you are eating it with blood. Because the life of the soul, that's what he said, the life of the soul, not the life of the flesh, not the life of the flesh, the life of the soul is in the blood. So Adam is Adam because of blood, not because that was his name. Just like spirit. Spirit. If I say spirit, is, is that a name? No, you are classifying. You are classifying a species. Holy Spirit. What is the name of the Holy Spirit? What is the name of the Holy Spirit? No name. Holy Spirit is not his name. Holy Spirit is not his name. That is the expression of his character and person. <sighs> so, when Jesus comes, this is verse 6, read verse 6. This is he that came by water. This is he that came by water and blood. Even Jesus Christ, not by water only. He didn't come by water only, but by water and blood. He came by water and blood. And it is the spirit that beareth witness. Because the spirit is truth. What does the spirit bear witness of? He, the spirit bears witness of the fact that Jesus came by water and blood. He didn't come. Listen, listen the, Bible, the Bible does not say that Jesus came by spirit. The, the Bible doesn't say that. He said he came by water and blood. Now, the, we were dealing with the first part, water, as, as a witness of your identification with him who came by water and blood. And the first identification is, is what? He that believeth and is baptized, immersed in water 
as a representation and and what a validation of you of what of your allegiance to the one who came by water and blood he did not come by by spirit he came by water and blood so when jesus came anthahale when he came on earth what he was carrying with him was water and blood Remember when he asked the woman, "Give me that water." And she asked like, "What meaning is that?" Then Jesus said, "If you knew who was asking you, you would ask him to give you water, for the water he gives shall spring up into you into everlasting life." Then he says, "Whoever drinketh from this water shall thirst, but he that drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst." Why? Because he came by water and blood. 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 So Jesus, Jesus came when God breathed into Adam. Adam had within him life from above. He had eternal life. When God breathed into his nostrils and man became a living soul, he had eternal life. He had uncontaminated blood. He had blood from God because the Bible tells us it is it is only after eating of the tree of the knowledge of good that he died. But as long as he continued to do what God said, he would have eternal life. Why? Because that life was in the blood. When he ate, he contaminated the blood. And that is why everybody born of Adam is contaminated by that thing which contaminated his blood which is sin. So the reason why Jesus came comes by water and blood is not only to undo the corruption of the first man but to introduce a new way. But he comes by water and blood. If he came by water and blood, he had to come after the similitude of the first man, which means that Adam had within himself water and blood. It is said that a human being's vessel is 70% water, 70% fluid. That every the the two most important organs in the man's body is his heart and his brain. Those are the kings of his body. And the primary function of the heart is to Let me ask you a question. Does the heart produce or regulate blood? Does the heart produce blood? If you lose if you lose blood today, Right? Is your body capable of producing that blood? It's not. It's not. That that's why people go for blood, right? That's why blood can be is put inside you. Because your body is not capable of producing blood. Yeah. <sighs> 
which means if you lose enough blood you lose your life you cannot afford to lose blood agreed agreed but you can give your blood to save someone else Why doesn't your blood kill that other person? Now, here's the danger. If within your blood there's contamination, the likelihood of the person to whom you are donating blood to being contaminated is high. Because whatever is in you, whatever is in your life will show up in another person. Are you following me? So, blood is he said, that's why God says don't eat meat with blood. Drain the blood out first. And he came with water and blood. But do you realize when Jesus left and when he sat down on the throne there was no blood in his body jesus ascended into heaven with no blood there's no blood in in jesus body today but he came with water and blood he lives by the power of god he is sustained by the glory of god but there is no blood where is his blood jesus the bible says we beheld him the only begotten of the father he was the word of god made flesh that means his blood was incorruptible His blood was eternal life materialized. In his blood is the DNA of the Godhead. In his blood is the ingredient, the substance of the entire universe. In his blood is the creative potentials of who God is. In his blood is the very identity of God. There's a mystery that Satan has kept from the body of Christ for eons, my brothers and my sisters. And we have played around and preached about the cross and preached about his death. But we have missed out one element and one crucial truth. Where is his blood? It was not possible for Jesus listen it was not possible for Jesus to die unless his blood spilled That's why when they wanted to see if he had truly died they they thrust in a spear into his bosom and the Bible says water and blood gushed out to show that his heart had broken 
So when they tell you, look to the cross, what are you looking at? You're looking at a dead man, but his death was for a reason. The apostle Paul says he has opened up for us a new and a living way by the blood of Jesus. They are looking at his death. But not the reason for his death. Adam's blood was contaminated by sin in the DNA. And the Bible says, throughout the generations, without sin, without the spilling of blood, there is no remission of sin. There can be no atonement if blood is not spilled. Why? Because it takes a life to create a life. It takes a life to ransom a life. Many of our problems are in the blood. Many of our problems are in the blood. Many of our sin is in the blood. Much of our sicknesses is in the blood. Why are we still sick? Yet we believe and we have been baptized into water. Why are we still sick? Why is life still a darkness? Why is sin still a struggle? When we've been cut off from the power of darkness, his blood, his blood. If Jesus' body is empty of his blood, that blood must go somewhere, right? That blood must be used for something, right? He says, for this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that bears witness. Look at this. The spirit bears witness. The spirit comes to testify. Then he says, verse 7, For there are three that bear, weak, that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. Then he says, listen to verse 8 very carefully. Then he says, And there are three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. Do, do you see, you, 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 your salvation is not complete if all you have is the spirit and baptism and not the blood. Here's a question. Here's, here's, here's a fundamental question. Do you have the spirit every day? Do, do, do you have the spirit every day? He's in you, right? Secondly, when you were baptized by water, did you need to be baptized again? That immersion was once for all, right? Where is the blood? Because the spirit has, a, has, has physical implication. Baptism, baptism is, is, is the spiritual proof 
of spiritual renewal. What correlates with the blood? What correlates with the blood? I'm sure in your Christian walk, you 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 either have heard a t- teaching, or you've been exposed to believers, or been exposed to the practice of of pleading the blood, where you've been told to plead the blood of Jesus over your house, plead the blood of Jesus. But where is that blood you are pleading? And when you are pleading that blood, what is it that happens? Where are you getting that blood from? Just like when the Bible tells us to put on the armor of God, do you put on something physical? How do you put it on? Do you put it on like you're dressing at night or in the morning? So when you plead the blood, explain it to me, right? How do you plead it? No, but God said to Israel that they must they must plead and spill uh, the blood on their doorposts. It was lit- was it spiritual or literal blood? It was literal blood, right? The blood that Jesus offered to ransom us, to redeem us, was it spiritual or physical blood? It was physical. It was physical. So when you say you plead the blood, what are you pleading? Where is it? Show us. How does it look? I understand the, the, the practice comes from, from, from spiritual ignorance, from spiritual confusion. When, when children don't know what to do about a certain, like this, this is a revelation. This is a secret. What are we going to do with the blood? We sing songs, the blood of Jesus. What are we going to do with it? We know what to do with the water. We get baptized with it. What are we going to do with the blood? Because the blood serves as a record, as a testimony that you belong to God. I want to show you, I want want to to read you something. And these three are greatest one. Let's look at Revelation chapter 12, the, the, the scripture that I want, us, I, I want us to look at. And then I want us to look at something in Hebrews and something in 1 John. Listen, after tonight, you will know how to cleanse your blood you'll know how to self-medicate healing into your body. You'll know how to transmute life into you. You'll know how to eradicate disease, sicknesses within you. You will know it. Just like like you know, you, you knew, you were told how to receive Jesus Christ. You see, Satan, 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 
the blood you see if if you read if you read the story of the exodus of israel especially when they crossed over the bible says when 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 pharaoh and his chariots tried to do the same thing israel did they drowned and died but israel passed through the sea as as unto dry land and when pharaoh tried to do the same thing he drowned that that is that is powerful he, he, it it is an image of the spiritual reality of what happens when a man fully emerges himself you see if somebody comes into Christ and throughout their lives they've been harassed by devils and demons and all that and then they believe in Jesus the, the first thing they must do is get baptized that same day whatever tied them to those devils to those demons to those covenants is cut off they cannot cross over you, you need to understand this they cannot cross over the reason why devils afflict our bodies is because we have not realized that we have crossed over so satan uses that ignorance against us to keep us in a place of defeat in a place of struggle and we we often wonder where is god because we say we pray we are faithful to him yet all these things are following our lives my brother my sister it's in the consciousness of your knowledge of but the reality of what jesus christ did for you read 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 uh revelation chapter 12 and we'll read verse 7 And there was war in heaven. Michael's Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels. Verse 8 and prevailed not. The the dragon and his angels prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. neither was their place found any more in heaven can i talk to you can i talk to you satan is in the earth he he is in a a, a location right now on earth He's not in hell, he, he he's on earth. There's no place in the heavens he occupies. The only places he occupies in 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 the heavens are are are, are those connected to the earth. That's why the Bible says if if you live in the spirit, walk in the spirit because Satan can't go in the spirit. He can't enter the spirit realm. He cannot function in the spirit realm. He does not have any right to function in the spirit realm. That's why everything he does, he must keep you down here on earth. 
He must keep your, your consciousness on earth. He must keep your mindset on earth. He must, he must bind you down by the things of this earth because that's where he is. If, if you decide to shift, that's why he couldn't get Jesus because Jesus said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. So his, his modus operandi was always from his father's perspective. So he, the Bible says their place, their place, they had a place before, was not found anymore in heaven. So they have no room, no place anymore in heaven. So your, your enemy is right here on earth. And that's why Paul says the weapons of warfare are not carnal. Because Satan uses carnal weapons. The only way to destroy him, the Bible, here's what the Bible says. When Jesus was rebuking Peter, he, he said, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Why? Because he's from the world of man. If you read in Isaiah 14, he says, man shall, 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 shall look at you in wonder, saying, is this the man who terrorized the nations? When Satan came up to God in Job chapter 1, here's what the Bible tells us. The Bible says to us that, oh Lord God Almighty, the Bible says to us, when God asked him, where do you come from? Satan said, did he say from roaming the heavens? No, he said from roaming to and fro the earth. To and fro the earth, which means he's confined to the earth territory. And he is not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He is not omnipresent. He can only be at one place at one time. And that's, Jesus told us where the throne of Satan is. If you read the revelations, he told us where the throne of Satan is. He told us. Hallelujah. You ask, where is the throne of, of, of Satan? Jesus told us. He told us it's in Greece. It's in Turkey, not knowing if he shifted. And, and, and there, there's a way you can tell where Satan has chosen his headquarters for, for, for a season. There's a way you can tell. I will not tell you where he is right now, but he is in a physical location today. Do, 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 do you want to know where he is? <laughs> Pray. <laughs> and it really doesn't help because what are you going to do? <laughs> right? What are you going to do? So it really doesn't matter. All you, need to, all you need to know is how to keep him in his place. The Bible says, and there was war in heaven, Michael and his angel fought, right? Verse 9, look at verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, and the old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels was cast out with him. You see where, where, where all of his angels live? Today, there are more devils on earth then they are human beings. And Satan is prince over all of them. The stronger ones are locked up until the day of judgment. But currently, 
every devil that is that is that is sided with Satan in the rebellion is right here on earth. They have taken over nations, cities. They have lodged themselves in towns, in homes, in families, in people. They, they, they are just everywhere. Satan, Satan doesn't do possession. He doesn't do possession. That limits him. Now, the Bible says they were cast. Notice, who cast him down? It was God. It was, his, it was Michael and his angels, right? Satan didn't come to earth by decision. It was not his choice. He did not come to earth by his choice. He was brought to earth to be given the final blow in annihilation. We'll teach that some other time. Now, listen to this, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now is come salvation. Now, notice, notice this. This is strange. This is strange. Satan is cast down on earth. And then the Bible says, now is come salvation. What? The devil has just come. And the scriptures tells us, that the voice is, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of God. So when Satan came down, it was a signal. And the power of his Christ. Notice, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ and the accuser of our, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Do you, do you want me to show you something beautiful here? The kingdom of God came because of Satan. The power of Christ came because of, because of Satan. Remember, Should I continue teaching? Remember this. When, when Satan fell, man was helpless against him. So because of the helplessness of man, the kingdom came. Salvation came. And the power of Christ came. And because of that, because of that, Satan can be dominated here on earth. He says, he says, all, the reason why all this comes is because the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Then in verse 11, listen, listen to verse 11. And they overcame him. Who? The brethren. They overcame him. N notice, he says, salvation and strength and the kingdom and the power of his Christ is come. All those, all those things are come because Satan has fallen. Then he says, and they overcame him. Look at this. It's very strange how the Bible constructs this communication. He doesn't say they overcame him 
by the power of his Christ. He doesn't say they overcame him by the kingdom. He doesn't say they overcame him by strength. He doesn't say all that. He says, and they overcame him by the blood. In the blood of Jesus is the kingdom of God. In the blood of Jesus is the power of Christ. In the blood of Jesus is salvation. In the blood of Jesus is strength. In the blood of Jesus is power. The Bible does not say they overcame him by any of those things. It says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb. How does it mean you say, Satan, I overcome you by the blood. I overcome you by the blood. I invoke the blood against you. How many of you have tried that? And how many times has the devil flee? How many times has the devil been overcome? They overcame him. That means within you, within your own blood, you cannot resist Satan. You need another blood, a stronger life than you. John chapter 6. Just give me a few more minutes, okay? Just give me a few more minutes. John chapter 6. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Spirit beareth witness of the truth. If what I speak tonight is the truth by the Spirit of God, then any false foundation, stronghold, limitation will be broken off your life tonight. Any yoke of affliction will be removed from you tonight. And the Bible says, and they went everywhere, the Lord working together with them and confirming his word, which they preach with signs and wonders. And God will prove this message tonight by the strange workings of his mighty power. Inala sana krana sale barabadiata sanda. John chapter 6. Whew. 
51. Thank God for Paul, the apostle. Thank God for him. Verse 51, Jesus says, verse 50, he said, this is the bread that cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. And not die. Because in him there is no death. In him there is no darkness. In him there is no crookedness. In him there is no sin. He, he, says, he, says, he says in verse 51, I am that living bread. Can we begin to try and go deeper? If your understanding allows, the Bible tells us that God fed Israel with manna. God fed Israel with manna for 40 years. For God knows how long that was. And if you read Psalm 70, uh, Psalm 70 something, if you read it, the Bible says that he fed them with, with, with angels' food. What God fed Israel with was what angels ate. It was what angels ate to sustain themselves. Now, angels and human beings are different. They, they require different nutritional foods. But God fed man with angels' food, which means that God was foreshadowing the possibility of man to partake of heavenly food. Because the Bible says that manna came down from heaven and it transmuted and when it fell to the ground, it became something else. And the Bible says they ate of it every single morning. They ate of it. And none of them was hungry. None of them let. None of them got sick. None of them got weak. But they were more strengthened. For 40 years, they ate manna until they decided to rebel against God and ask for meat. But while they were eating manna, none of them ever said, I'm hungry. Yet when you looked at money, it did not look like food. When you looked at money, it did not look like something edible, but they ate it. They ate the angel's food. And Jesus says, this is what Jesus says, and this is what boggles my mind, because when he comes, he begins to raise the standard. He says, I am that living bread. Verse 49 says, your fathers did eat manna, and are dead because while manna strengthened them, manna did not give them eternal life. The only thing manna did is what it delayed their death. It delayed their processes of dying, but it did not give them eternal life. So they ate it, but they are dead. And Jesus comes and he says, I am the manna from heaven. I am the bread from heaven that a man should eat this bread. He shall live forever. Jesus says, I am. I, I am that bread. So automatically he's telling you he's food. Jesus, he's telling you he is food. He is a meal. Jesus. And he says, if a man eats of this bread, if a man eats of me, he says, he will live forever. Which means the reason why Christians are dying, they are not eating of the bread. The reason why Christians are getting sick, they are not, not eating of the bread. That is not, does not the Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions? 
He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Does not the Bible say that? Does not the Bible say that by his stripes we were healed? Does not the Bible say that? But why are we still sick? Why are we afflicted? Why is there no peace in our lives? Because even though he did all that, we must partake. They overcame him by the blood. So God is proving to us in, in his word that the only way to defeat sin, the only way to defeat the devil is through eternal life. But from when shall we get eternal life if not the son of God? And, and this record is in his son that God had given him eternal life. And he that hath the son, that hath the son, hath eternal life. Oh, lift up your hands right now. Oh my God. My God, we thank you. We bless you. Oh God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. The bread which I will give is my flesh which I give for the life of the world. Verse 52, the Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh? It is a mystery. How can he give us his flesh? How can he give us his flesh to eat? Jesus was introducing a medium by which a man can access and live forever, and live forever without sickness, without disease, without affliction, without, without, without the, the consequences of sin, and the wielding of the master of sin, the devil. Jesus said, and, 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 and they say, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. That means... We don't receive eternal. This is the process. We believe. We believe. And we are baptized. We, we find salvation. We, we, we enter into the redemptive work. But it's not until we eat his flesh and drink his blood. That's why my brothers and my sisters, Christians still die today. Christians are dying left, right and center. Because Jesus said, unless ye eat my flesh and drink my blood, ye have no life. Ye have no life in you. So he's telling you that to transmute and transmit life into you, you must eat his flesh. Oh God. You see, 
Christianity has done much harm in many areas, especially to God's people. It has been a great blessing to the world. But the limitation of revelation and knowledge has done much harm. He says, Jesus says this, Jesus, Jesus. He says, unless ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eat, eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood. So in baptism, you separate from Egypt. You separate from Pharaoh. You are transmigrated from the power of darkness to the power of God, to the kingdom of his son. But it does not end there. He says, if you want eternal life, he says you have to eat his flesh. You have to drink his blood. Verse 54, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. My blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood, he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me. And I in him, as the living father has sent me, I live, listen to this, as the living father has sent me, I live by him. So that he that eateth me, even liveth by me. Jesus says, he that eateth me, he says, I live by the father. Even so, he that eateth me, liveth by me. Means you can stop living by doctors. Stop living by physicians. You can live by Jesus. You can decide to live by, in the same way you are faithful to live by the prescriptions and diagnosis of those in medical field. He says, he that eateth me, he that eateth me, The only way we have access to the blood of Jesus Christ is through eating him. Pleading the blood doesn't work, my brother, my sister. You can plead until you are 50. That thing doesn't work. It's eating Jesus. Jesus is showing us how to access his life, how to access his potentials, how to access him. He says, he that eateth me. And drinketh me. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. That means you can replace your blood.
those who go for dialysis blood replacement and blood transfusion they don't go for one session and it's done right they go several times to clean their blood transmute blood Jesus says there's a way there's a way God's spirit has sent me tonight to inform you that there is a way there is a path that leadeth to life and joy it sits there Says my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. They are destroyed. Matthew twenty six. Verse twenty six. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it. and break it and give it to his disciples and said take eat my body take eat my body take eat my body michael that's where peter got saved that's where peter received eternal life that's where the apostles received eternal life even his betrayer judas received eternal life because he said he that eateth me shall live by me he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood he hath eternal life his betrayer eight and he partook we will get there we'll get there he says take eat this is my body and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them and says drink ye all of it drink ye all of it drink all of my blood drink all of my blood for this is my blood of the new testament which is shed for the many for the remission of sins but i say to you i will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when i drink it new with you in my father's kingdom so he himself will partake of it in his father's kingdom and he said this is my blood which is shed for the he says is the blood of the new testament and then he said it is shed for the remission of sins 
the Bible tells us that they were at the Lord's table. First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. Maybe you are tempted by sin, by various things. And you've heard preachers say, God will not give you a temptation that you cannot handle and is open away. But how? What is that way? Let me show you. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape that he may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved brethren, flee idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. Then in verse 16, he provides that way of escape. He says, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood? Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? What is he saying? He says, the cup we bless, he says, is your communion, is your participation, is your partaking of the blood of Jesus Christ, is your fellowship in the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, the the cup of blessing which we, we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? He says, the cup and the bread are how we partake, are how we eat Jesus. He, he says, remember, he says, three bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. Then he says, then he says, listen to this. Listen to this. Verse 21. Ye cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table. So this thing is the Lord's table. Is the Lord's table. When you partake of his blood and of his body, you are, you are at the Lord's table. Is the disease at the Lord's table? Is the suffering at the Lord's table? Is the frailty a weakness at the Lord's table? The problem is you have not come to the Lord's table enough. You have not come to the Lord's table enough. Had you been at the Lord's table, you would have partaken of his blood. You have partaken of his body. And remember, this is what he says. Look at, look at chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, verse 23. He says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Paul is telling them that 
Jesus showed him this. He took him there. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "Take eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me." He says, "This is my After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped saying this cup is the new testament in my blood this do ye as often as ye drink it as often that, that is the key as often as often as often not sometimes not often as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me verse 26 For as often as he eat this bread and drink this cup he shew the Lord's death till he comes He shew the Lord's death till he comes He shew the Lord's death till he comes This means there's nothing in this world that demons and devils and satan himself fears more than the death of jesus christ because he says do this in remembrance of me because the showing of the death of jesus is a reminder to all principalities powers and devils that you belong to jesus is a reminder to them that jesus conquered them is a reminder to jesus that jesus has purchased you is a reminder to all these powers that they have no rights over you they have no rights over your body they have no rights over your mind they have no rights over your life they have no rights over your destiny he shoe not his life not his life his death because it was his death that stripped the devil of his power it was his death that destroyed the devil it was his death that stripped them of all all power and authority it was his death that made a public spectacle of them it was his death he shoe the lord's death he says this thing is a double edged sword it works within you to produce in you the entire benefits that exists in the blood and life of Jesus Christ while at the same time provides testimony to the principalities and powers the bible says the bible says that this wisdom we speak among them that are mature for 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 had they known it this wisdom that was hid from the princes of this world had they known it they would not have crucified him Now they know that they have crucified him. That's why they, the Bible tells us that he will come down and those who pierced him shall mourn. He was not only my brother, my sister. He was not listen, he was not talking to to oh my god. He was not talking to to the physical man. He was talking to the principalities and powers that conducted that great work. He says they shall mourn when those devils seem come down they shall mourn why because the time of judgment has come remember every time when Jesus walked in his earthly ministry devils will say have thou come to send us away have thou come to bind us before our time we know who you are so now when they seem come they know their time is up they know they will be chained and reserved forever unto damnation into the lake of fire the bible says when they seem they shall mourn but 
But let me tell you, let me tell you, the cup of the Lord, the body of the Lord is as much a mourning, a piercing, a heart-wrenching act on devils than the coming of Jesus Christ. Because it serves as a reminder. He says you are showing. Who are you showing it to? Who are you showing the death of the Lord to? You are reminded. He says it's a reminder to you what Jesus did. But it's, a, it's what? It's, it's a manifestation. You are manifesting the Lord's death. Until he comes. Listen to this. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that drinketh and eateth unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, for this cause, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Why? Because they don't eat. They don't drink. Any sin, any disease that you are carrying in your body, any burden that you are carrying in your life, my brother, my sister, it can be undone. It can be undone by the cup and the bread. Jesus did not give them his flesh and say eat. He gave them bread. He did not give them his blood and say eat. He gave them wine. physical access points to a spiritual reality. This serves the same as the killing of a cow, killing of a goat, killing of a sheep and the sacrifices that are never ending. This serves that purpose. When I asked where is the correlation, I found that the only correlation in the Bible to accessing the blood and the benefits of the blood is this. It's not a prayer. It's this. It's the Eucharist. It's the communion of the blood. The communion of the body of the Lord. He says, this do ye as often, as often. Your Christian life has everything. You have the spirit in abundance. You've seen power in abundance. You have the sign of baptism, the validation of baptism. But no communion with eternal life. No communion with eternal life. When God opened my mind, I vowed to God, I vowed to Him that in as much 
as I've eaten food for the last 32 years of my life without fail. The next 32 years of my life, I will partake and eat his flesh and blood. This is a meal for the Christian. The Christian who wants eternal life. The Christian who wants access to reality. The Bible says it is the blood of Jesus that has opened up a new and living way. And he says through the veil which is his flesh. That's why the Bible tells us that when he died, the veil was torn. It was broken from top to bottom. When we break it, we break his flesh. It says the body which was broken for you. Whoso eateth me shall live by me. Come to the Lord's table. Come to the Lord's table. You belong at the Lord's table. Every child of the king, like Mephibosheth, must eat at the king's table. Because you have the mark of Christ, which is the spirit of God. But if you want the benefits in faith, you must eat. Let this not be a bi-ritual where you have to wait for your church to tell you. Some of you are going through hardships right now. Some of you are going through bodily infirmities right now. Some of you are struggling physically right now because you have not come to the Lord's table. The Spirit of God has sent me to you this evening to tell you, come to the Lord's table. Come to the Lord. It's by grace that you are saved, not of works, lest any man should boast that the glory should be of God alone. Come to the Lord's table. Partake of the Lord's table. The cup and the bread. How beautiful it is because the Bible tells us the Bible tells us that when Abraham met Melchizedek, the high priest of God, that he came with bread and wine. Melchizedek came with bread and wine of whom God says he saw that Jesus shall be a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And Adam partook of the communion of the law. He came with bread and he came with wine. And Jesus too came with water and blood. And he is that bread. If you ever wondered how can I partake, how can I eat Jesus? How can I eat of Jesus and leave? Take, eat my body. Take, drink my blood. This do as often in remembrance 
of me. This should be your daily bread. When Jesus said, give us this daily bread, this is your daily bread. This should be your everyday meal. Because this is what God prescribed for us. This is what God prescribed for us. He that eateth me shall live by me. He that eateth me shall live by me. The Lord's table. He is waiting for you there. I want to pray for you. And then we're going to partake of the communion of the Lord. Lift up your hands, please. If you're under the sound of my voice, you're listening to a man under authority. And I speak over your life as one authorized and commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I send the word of blessing over your life. I send the word of lifting over your life. Under this anointing of the Holy Spirit, I release you into your destiny. That just as you were baptized unto Christ in the water and separated from the powers of darkness, I command those powers to lift their hands over your life right now, to lift your ha their hands over your destiny right now. Whatever is yours, let it be released to you. Whatever is yours by divine right, let it be released to you. Father, send forth the ministering spirits to do this work. Whatever has been lost in your life, it is returned to you sevenfold. I prophesy to you, child of God, that whatever power the devil had over you is broken tonight. Bodily infirmities be gone. Strongholds in the soul be gone in the name of Jesus. If he has touched areas of your life, just like he touched Job's possessions and wealth, I command them in the name of Jesus to let their hands go. Go in the name of Jesus. And let your possessions be released right now.
come under the preservation power of the blood of Jesus Christ by which he has caused you to gain the victory recognize this evening that you have overcome by the spilling of the blood by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus I ananto koma taita kafinene ne cross the lide I speak to things earthed. We unearth, we uproot in the name of Jesus. We dislodge in the name of Jesus. In the soul, in the body, physically, in the, yes, in the family, in Jesus' mighty name. Any entity that does not belong. The water bears testimony against the works of the devil, against his plans and the stratagems. When Pharaoh intended to kill Israel, he was met with the shock of his life. In the name of Jesus, the intentions of the devil shall not prevail. In the name of Jesus. The plans of the devil shall not prevail against your life. And let this power not only touch you, but everything involved in your life. Your family, your loved ones, your destiny. In Jesus' mighty name, let this power touch it right now. Something is coming over you right now. Manta ila. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the power of the Spirit of God. I speak to your darkness just like God commanded the light to shine out of darkness to bring forth the light right now in Jesus' mighty name. Come out of darkness, God. Peketika. Oh, testimonies of the miraculous are overshadowing you now. God, Elafanda, Elafanda, Kilafanda, Anta Paraconda Krista. God is entering your household right now. He's entering your household just like he did in the upper room. Just like he did when the disciples were gathered together in honey. He's entering and he's saying unto you, peace, peace be unto you. You will experience peace in your life. The storms are silenced. The turbulent waters are silenced. If you are under the sound of my voice, you are hearing the words of a man under authority, commissioned by the Lord Jesus Himself. And this anointing is released upon your life. From the same hour, from the same hour, from the same hour, 
the evidences of his power will begin to show in your life. I bless you with God's presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let this be your everyday meal. When this service is over, go back and play this message over and over again until the truth dawns in your spirit that this is the way to eternal life. And once that revelation dawns, you will, like I did, vow to God to show the Lord's death till He comes. You don't need to wait for your church, pastor, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Present forth your bread. And when he had given thanks, he break it and said, Take, eat, this is my body for which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Father, I give thanks for revealing your truth and helping me communicate this truth to your people. I have communicated it. By faith, in your word, We are permanent partakers of the body of the Lord. We thank you. Amen. You can break and eat. After the same manner also, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. And we have all come by the blood of the Lamb. How much more shall the blood of Jesus cleanse us and our conscience from dead works? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Thank you, Father. That eternal life is at work in us. Amen. give the Lord thanks right now. Give Him thanks. Give Him thanks for revealing this truth to you. 
the truth by which your life is taken to the next dimension a truth that will dispel yokes burdens disease afflictions truth that will make you stronger produce within you fruits of righteousness cleanse you cleanse your conscience rid you of guilt and sickness and affliction and death as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you do show the lord's death till he comes you do show the lord's death till he comes fanare kabagatila shabarada gasando kiarado veniete sanai konde bediva Halu kumbere saide de yele kumbre sadi We bless you Father We bless you Lord Hallelujah Bless the Lord Amen